Welcome back, Jay Martin Ramon, 104.5 The Zone. Jason Martin Ramon Foster, 11-year NFL vet, involved for life back home in Knoxville this weekend. And Jonathan Schaefer on Twitter at Jay Martin Ramon. James Lewis dropped me a couple of Jim Gaffigan memes who basically said, yeah, you're Jim Gaffigan now. And the meme says, you know, wanna, you know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, man. So 104.5 Zones NFL draft coverage all month long and certainly all week long, sponsored by Farm Bureau Health Plans. So is Coach Mack. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach, what's going on? Hi, J-Mart, Ramon, Shafe, J-Mart, first of all, how's uh, Claire Grace and Abby? They good? Yeah, they're doing all right. I can't get Claire. We can't get Clara Grace to lay down flat in the pack and play at night or at any point to sleep. We have to have her elevated or she fidgets and makes noise that keeps everyone awake. So right now, Abby is sleeping, sitting up on the couch with like this cushion thing next to her with CG in that. So that's something we've got to find a way to remedy, and I don't know how easy that's going to be. Well, just let me say this. Uh, I'm not an expert, but it sounds like Claire Grace is being a baby. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know a bunch of those throughout your time in the league, too, don't you, Coach? <laughs> hey, look, just let it happen. It'll be fine. There, there's billions of people walking the earth. It'll be okay. Yeah, it will be. Coach, we were listening to the OTP on the way back. From the orange and white nice. yesterday. Hey, how was you? How was you guys' trip to Knoxville? It was a lot of fun. It was. It was coach. a lot of fun to be around the program and just see some excitement. Just, I mean, it's always fun to see a new start. But this coaching staff, and it just seems like the university right now is real welcoming of former players, of alumni, and just kind of they're trying to create a positive vibe. And that's not how you felt down there in a while. So it was fun, and it was yeah. fun to watch Ron Slay and Ramon Foster hold court. <laughs> out there like they were celebrities that was well, kind of are. hard to deal with they, they should be and and with the, with the history that a place like the university of tennessee has that's how it should be every time mm-hmm. i mean you know that you've got you've got guys that have been through there that have have built uh you know the going clear back that have built the legacy of what uh, Tennessee athletics is, that's the way it should be. I'm really glad to hear that's the kind of vibe it was. It was, Coach. And one thing I've been been saying, you know how you, your strings have been pulled a little bit when you go into a building or wherever is that. Uh, we were talking, it just didn't feel like you had a car salesman in front of you. They were, And that's a good feeling when, you, when, when you're talking about sports as a whole. I think there are universities now, a uh, coaching staff and a staff that knows where they are and knows what they need to do to get there, Coach. So that's a, that's a great start right there. I, 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 really, I really, really like hearing that because, you know, all, all of my experiences with the uh, University of Tennessee, especially football, when we, you know, back in the day, we'd go in there and make those, make those school visits and, you know, work out players in the spring. I mean, that, that place has just got a legacy of, of, yeah. of great athletic achievement. I'm really happy to hear that was the vibe because that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, and I mean, Heupel was real down to earth in terms of he's very dialed into football. There's no question about that. He didn't know a whole lot of details of other things that are happening in life. He talked about his family and his kids as much as he did football. But there was yeah. there was definitely a real – I think this is the thing, Coach, and you can speak to this and you can look at this at the NFL level too. It's like Heupel was a player. And he's not 80 years old. Like, he's not somebody that's so far removed from being a player that he doesn't remember what it's like to be on the other side looking up at a coach. Like, there's a balance there where 
he can relate to the players a little bit and still also have a bit of the coach in him. And I think that's a, that's a nice that's a nice trait to have as a young football coach. Well, it absolutely is, and really, Jay Martin, it really has nothing to do with age. It just has it just has something to do with uh, look. This is a people business. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, whether you're forty or you're eighty, you treat people with respect, and they will treat you like that back. And then, plus, they will want to be around you. You start treating people with no respect, not going to have a lot of people want to be around you. So, what is on your mind? Like I said, we we're listening to the OTP, and you guys talked a lot about the new rules. Uh, on the on the latest official Titans podcast, and it was you and Rhett that were joining Mike and Amy, and right. I found that really fascinating. It was supposed to be an NFL draft preview cast, though, Coach, and you guys didn't really get to that, not as much, but I guess as much as you've been talking and as much as you're about to talk this week and certainly once the draft kicks off on Thursday and you guys begin your coverage, it was good to kind of get a little bit of a refresher outside of that. What do you think of some of the new the new rules and the way that things have been laid down? You know, I, I, you know, they constantly tweak it. I mean, you know, for year about fifteen years when Jeff Fisher was the, you know, was in charge of that uh, the competition committee. You know, I would get you know the new rules uh, uh, preps before he ever even went to the owners' meetings, and then would come back and get a really good. Uh, dossier of what was going on and the, the league's always going to tweak rules i mean yeah. it really is the biggest thing that's going on now guys there, there's two things that, that that really make it uh are, that take precedence over any other rules right now for the national football league it's player safety all right and it's replay and getting the call right because we've got technology now that we've never had before and so you know you heard me say on that podcast you know they're talking about you know, you know, letting the, letting the guy in the box, you know, have a little bit more uh, uh, say in what goes on. He's still not a, an official. He's not a uh, air quote sky judge, but he'll be able to, to look down and say, hey, look, that ball hit the ground. Mm -hmm. And I said it, you know, because one of the reasons and I said, look, I could do that job because I spent yeah. you know a lot of years in the in the press box with it, with a monitor from the truck looking at it, you know, making calls on whether we should challenge or not and whether a call was there or not, they, you've got the technology to do it now. I mean, 15 cameras is the fewest cameras you have at any uh, National Football League contest. And so they're trying to get that stuff right, but they're also trying not to interrupt the game. And then the player safety things, I mean, all of that is, you know, Mike Keith gave that fascinating, fascinating stat about the, the onside kicks, mm -hmm. you know, 67 being tried uh, last season and three being able to be recovered. You know, and so, I mean, it's – I'm all for the player safety. I really am. I mean, because I think that's something that has helped – that has helped our game, and it will help the players, you know, uh, you know, once they get through playing. I mean, you got a guy that's did it for 11 years, you know, with contact every play, yeah. you know, you know, sitting right there. So the safer you can make the game, the better. And the, and the more you can use technology without interrupting the flow of the game. And so, you know, I, I'm all for it if it's got some common sense to it. Coach, when it, when it comes down to, you know, the, I guess the efficiency of the game, listen to Mike Keefe talk yesterday when we were listening to the OTP podcast was this. He said, get rid of the, I mean, the, uh, kickoff, you know, because he wants straight excitement. It, will we get to that point where the kickoff is taken away? No, we, we will not. And, okay. and, you know, Mike, Mike Keith and I look, I, I work with a Hall of Fame broadcaster, so I'm never going to disagree with him anything broadcast wise. That I keep telling him no. You know, they're not going to get they're not they are not going to get get rid of that. They're just not going to do it. OK. 
Um, Coach, uh, you know, you guys are, you know, getting into the draft process. This is draft week is finally here. Um, and I guess I got to ask you a guy that's been inside the room as far as the process of evaluation. There was a, a report released this morning about Christian Barmore and his, uh, I guess he's reluctant to take coaching sometimes. When stuff like this is dropped out into the media, especially on social media now, is this something that coaches really already know or is it already, or is it breaking news to, to coaching staffs that are evaluating them? Well, I, I'm really glad you asked that because that to me, first of all, uh, did anybody put a name with who said that? Of course not. Hope. <laughs> okay. Number that's number one. That's number one. So they, and number two is this, and I've been in 31 draft rooms. I've been in 31 draft preps in, in, in my career. All right. And you know, and, and now going on five as, as a broadcaster, here's the deal. If you're in a draft room and all of a sudden you're going to change your mind on what Somebody says that you have no idea who it is mm. uh, four days before the draft and you change your grade on a player, then guess what? you got the wrong people in that draft room. Mm. All right. I mean, that's just all, that's just the truth. And so all of that stuff, I mean, close your eyes, tell me what you see. That's how much it matters right now. So do you, well, you tell me this because you've been in so many draft rooms, as you just said, coach, how, how sure do a lot of these teams feel about the guys that they want? Now, when you look at the evaluation process, is it still ongoing and there's still up and down moves being made in terms of, well, I like this guy better last week, or do they really have a pretty genuine sense of where they have these guys now? You've got a good sense of where you have them, but it's not necessarily. And, and let me just say this to both of you guys and then for our listeners, because you guys are, are sophisticated in this. And so are our listeners. It's not really who you want. It's who's available to you when your pick comes. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a big difference in that. All right. And so when you start looking at, at, I mean, you grade people individually and that's where your vertical, that's where your vertical draft board comes in. You grade people individually. You grade people individually in their position groups vertically. You grade people individually in the, in the one through however many you've put up there. But then there's also a horizontal grade where you start to work pods of people, especially if you're drafting lower in the draft every round. Mm -hmm. You've got to work with pods of people rather than one particular person because you really have no idea what is going to happen before your picks in rounds one, two, and on through the draft. So we were talking to a former teammate of mine, uh, Kevin Sam, who's also a, a Dallas Cowboys scout. And he was yes. giving me the scenario of the Cowboys were ready to pick Ryan Shazier at 16. They had, I mean, they were, they were super excited yes. about taking Shazier at 16. And Simon even mentioned that he felt like they knew something in that room that other people were knocking Shazier for from his workout. Yeah. And they realized it wasn't a big deal. And they were just, they were ready to, to cry when the Steelers took him. Yeah. So the, the Steelers took him at 15. They had 16 instead. They just threw their draft board on the tilt and they ended up picking what was a Travis Frederick. Tra Travis Frederick. No, well, was it Demarcus Lawrence? No, no, no. It was Travis Frederick. Different center. Yeah, I think. yeah, that's right. Yeah. What happens in those situations? I know you have it pegged of who you want at what pick, but do some teams, I guess, or have you been in a room where it scrambles after your pick is gone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, I have. That's a real scenario. And and usually what happens too, again, it, it it's when you get into the later parts 
of the, you know, of the, of the draft. And I talk about later parts. I'm talking about the belly of the draft. Mm. When you start getting from, you know, from 15 to about, you know, 25 or 27, and then whatever those commensurate numbers are throughout the rest of the draft, because what will happen sometimes somebody will have the same guy and they'll trade up in front of you. Mm. All right. You may have it all figured out going, you know what? The Eagles are right here and they do not, they do not need a receiver, and we're going to get this dude right here. And all of a sudden, somebody jumps up in front of you with a trade that you know really wants a receiver, and the guy that you have is sitting there on the on the board with a light blinking on top of his head <laughs> as the best receiver available at that point. And you you know before the name's even announced, they've got the dude. Yeah. Um, it, Coach, through this whole process of evaluating, um, it's always interesting to me that every year there's only about maybe one tight end that you focus in on the draft. It's never a plethora of like four tight ends in the first round. You know, you can get guard, well, you can get tackles. There'll be quarterbacks, there'll be wide receivers, but the tight end position is usually just one guy. And that one guy this year is Kyle Pitts. Is it hard to evaluate tight ends in the draft process when it comes down to it? Well, it's not hard, but you have to do some projecting as far as to how you're going to use them. Okay. You know, because that's what that's that's what really goes on. Because the way that you see them used now in, in the in the professional game, you know, when, when you have twelve personnel in the ball game and you have two tight ends, you really don't have two you know inline tight ends in there. Twelve personnel, you usually have what we call a stud tight end or or a close side tight end where you you would set your defensive front. Then you have an open side tight end, mm-hmm. a move guy or a guy that will split out so that it will look like eleven personnel. And so I think it's the way that they are used in collegiate football that you have to project as to how you want to use them. And, you know, whether you're a multiple tight end set, you know, a team like the Ravens that plays a lot of 13 personnel may look at tight ends differently than someone who is a, is an 11 personnel team and really only uses a tight end, you know, as, as a, as a, as a single guy to set an edge, you know, and let the other three wide receivers take care of the passing game. And so, and then you have a lot of scenarios in between that. So it's really the way that you have to project them. And there you go into what we've talked about before, guys. You start looking at traits. You don't start looking so much at production and scheme that they have been in. You start projecting traits that will fit what you want to do with a with a tight end position. All right, Coach Newsom, Elijah Moore, maybe some guys fall that you don't know or don't expect to be there at 22 for some reason. There's the option to trade down. I'm not asking you what you think John Robinson is going to do. I'm asking you as somebody with experience as somebody that has watched a ton of film on a lot of these guys and spent a lot of times breaking them down. When 22 comes, if it's your pick to make, what is the most glaring need and who is the guy that you go after? Well, they, I think they still need to, to, to help their, their receiving core and, and the, and the, back end of their defense. I mean, that, that to me is, that's where you've lost. That's where you've lost the most veteran players, you know, and yeah. that, to me that, that, that if, if the person is sitting there that you really like, that's what you do. I mean, and that is just, you know, my humble opinion, unless somebody falls there that all of a sudden you, you, you look at it and you go, Whoa. Okay. I mean, like if Kyle Pitts falls down there, you well, might sure. take him. Yeah. Um, when it Jason played a clip earlier offline of okay. Nick Saban talking about, yeah, we're going to play it on air a little bit later on. But too. just as a, as as somebody that's in the business coaching, you know these two words. When somebody's given a draft evaluation of a player and they use the words and and but, 
What does that mean to a guy that's going through the process of, of okay, we can trust him or we don't? Uh, and is what you want. But when they say but, that's usually something, another way for them to be able to uh, knock you, I guess. That, that is, 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 comes right in there to me when you're describing players with the phrase, with all due respect. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because in most of the times, even if you're talking to somebody else in a non-football manner and you say, hey, you know what, Ramon, and all due respect, mm. well, then whatever's coming out of your mouth next is not a lot of respect. <laughs> you know, and so when you're in a draft room, as I said, I've been in 31 of them where you are, when everybody's in the room and, and it's your turn to read your report, you don't want a whole lot of ands and buts. Look, just give your report and give why you like the player and why you don't like the player. And don't be one of those dudes that wants to sit in the middle and hedge your bet because everybody, if, if everybody in the room that was evaluating, was going to hedge their bets, mm-hmm. then you'd never come to any conclusions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's where the best GMs are, guys. They're the best listeners. They don't want to be they don't want to be the final voice in the room uh, to begin any conversation. They want to hear. But the reason you are hired, or the reason you are in there, and the reason that you are are given the charge to write to evaluate and then write a report and then read a report to the whole room is that you've got an opinion on this player good or bad, but if your opinion is always in the middle, then you've really given me no opinion. Mm. One thing I read from Peter King this morning real quick, Coach, was that it looks like a record number of teams are looking to trade down. Maybe Tennessee's part of that group, but there's a lot of teams that are looking to trade down for whatever reason, and the way Peter says it is the sweet spot in this draft is going to be the second, third round, especially picks 30 to 75. How interesting do you think day two of the draft is likely to be? Very interesting. I think I think he I think he's right, and I think another reason, just in you know talking to a few people around the league, which means a lot of them. The the thing about this draft is 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 just because of the unusual evaluation period that that everybody has been in, truncated games, some opt outs, not a lot of face to face stuff. You might be better off in this draft. I mean, you know, some thinking that if they're, if guys are close, I mean, you'd like to get numbers. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. You'd like to get numbers. And now if there's somebody genuinely that you're absolutely you know, sure, well, then, yeah, you got to go. The thing about trading down is, guys, and I, look, I worked the phones incessantly for 31 years on draft day. The thing about trading down is, is you've got to have somebody to trade with. You know, you, you can't just, you know, you can't just do like Mike Tyson, those guys did at the bike and say, we'll pass. You, know, <laughs> you, just, you just, you just can't do that. I mean, and so you have to have, and all of those conversations, a lot of those conversations have gone on now. We saw, we saw a big trade made with Baltimore and the chiefs, you know, before the draft, but a lot of these, a lot of these trades that, that, that he's talking about, and I think he's right, but those conversations will go on during the draft because those conversations start to go on going back to the first part of this conversation we had this morning is when players start coming off the board and you start, you start grouping your pods horizontally and you're saying, okay, I'm going to have to be able, I'd like to be able to move down because I think I, I can get commensurate value down here and somebody might want to have one person they want to come up to get it, but you have to have a trade partner. It's just the way it is. Coach, tell me how your week looks as it relates to Titans radio and what the listeners can expect from you this week. Well, I've got, I've, got, I've still got. Uh, in fact, I'm going to meet uh, you know Mike Keith, uh, Mike Keith and Rhett and I. We still, we, we've got uh, another 
podcast we're getting ready to record today. Uh, and then what I and then what I do right now, I'm fielding you know calls you know from a lot of people you know from people around the league, just you know checking in, seeing what's you know what's going on. So, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of these guys that run all of these these draft sites. They're just calling and, and, and checking, and I say, hey, look. They'll ask me, uh, what do you think about, what do you think about our mock draft? I said, you know what, the God's honest truth, I don't look at it. You know, I, I said, but just ask me about a player. I'll tell you what I think about a player. Okay. And I can give you my opinion on a player, but as far as a mock draft, you know, as much as I do about a mock draft, because that's what it is. And so, uh, you know, just a lot of conversations and then trying to clean up some of the stuff because Mike Keith is so organized on the things that we do. We're, we, we've got to, uh, you know, we're going to be able to react off of the moment during the draft as to what goes on, but he has a very definite way that he wants to run this thing. And so we're just, we're going through our prep with that. Well, Coach, we're looking forward to hearing it. We're looking yes, forward indeed. to all the coverage. I love listening to Titans Radio this time of year. You guys do a fantastic job. We'll be checking out the podcast you guys record as well today, and we look forward to next Monday because we'll we'll have you first. We'll be able to recap everything that happens in the draft with you a week from now. Absolutely. Now, you know what? And that'll be fun. I always love coming on with you guys in the morning, but that'll be fun because we'll have something actually that happened that is facts. Yeah, speculation's nowhere near as much fun because it just puts you in a spot that you don't want to be in. Coach, you're the best. Thanks. Guys, see you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Dave McGinnis. All our draft coverage and Coach Dave McGinnis sponsored by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. We are going to play that Saban audio you referenced because when I played it during the break, I was like, I like it so much, I want to hit it. But I think we hit it in the start of the fourth hour Yeah. uh, so that we can actually react to it. So when we come back, we'll we'll hit on some of the things we just talked to Coach Mack about, including what Peter King said about he thinks a lot of teams want to trade down in the second round of this draft is going to be fascinating. We'll talk all about that when we come back. It's Jay Martin and Mo, 104.5 The Zone.